Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Robert Dean with Dean Cattle in Seymour, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the first bale of cotton in the nation was auctioned off for scholarships last week. We'll have an update on how the auction went and how much money was raised coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As you look at the current situation for the beef and cattle industry, every sector throughout the production chain is doing pretty well right now. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. As part of National Farm Safety and Health Week, additional emphasis is being placed on the busy harvest time across the country. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on safety on farms and ranches on Texas Ag Today. Even though it still feels like summer out there, dove hunting season of fall tradition has arrived in North Texas, and the early reports are looking good. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The first bale of cotton in the nation is harvested in South Texas each year, and that bale was auctioned off for scholarships last week. Rio Grande Valley farmer Sam Simmons is the chairman of the Harlingen Cotton Committee. It went fantastic. Uh, The bale brought in a total of $19,500 that's going to go towards scholarships for technical schools within the Rio Grande Valley, uh, in particular ag programs and programs that are ag-related, I should say, or ag-adjacent. it was bought by BASF for $10,000, and then, as I mentioned, there was another 9500 that was added on by other companies uh, that wanted to you know, put in, donate some money toward uh, scholarship programs. Simmons says about 275 people attended the auction, which is done in cooperation with the Augadon Club. The first bale was grown by Valley Farmer Wesley Vanderpool. He also had the first bale in the nation last year. A West Texas cowboy is being recognized for his decades of hard work. 
James Jimbo Humphreys Jr. of Dickens is the winner of this year's Ranching Heritage Association's Working Cowboy Award. Humphreys grew up on the Pitchfork Land and Cattle Company Ranch in Guthrie, where his father was ranch manager. He began cowboying in junior high, and since then he's made a living working cattle, training horses, building fences and corrals, and crafting bits and spurs. He now manages a large cow-calf operation on the Guitar Ranches. He'll be recognized at the 45th Annual National Golden Spur Award Ceremony November 3rd in Lubbock. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Every sector of the cattle production chain is doing well right now. James Hunt tells us strong prices are benefiting beef producers in all segments of the industry. Within the cattle and beef industry, we're seeing a very unique situation. And that is that each segment of the industry today is profitable, all the way from the cow-calf, all the way through the feeder, stalker, feeder, feed yard, and then the packing industry is also making profit today. That observation coming from Brady Miller with TCFA, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Miller says for feed yards within TCFA's service area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, margins have strengthened to on average about $200 per head in profit on a cash basis, coming off strong gains for fed cattle in the cash market last week. As these prices bounce up and down, we've been down in the upper 170 range, 178, 179, 177. Last week, we took a pretty decent jump and traded cattle in the three-state area at a 183. Meanwhile, TCFA estimates that the cattle on feed number for the three-state area has dropped by about 3% from where things stood one year ago. Miller says the availability of feeder cattle continues to go down with herd reduction still going on out in ranch country. Even though we're seeing some rain, we're still not out of the drought cycle. And what we would consider to say that we're out of the drought cycle is when we stop harvesting cows and it averages out and we start retaining heifers. We have not seen that yet. Once again, that was Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. We'll hear more from Miller tomorrow as we discuss maintaining consumer demand with beef prices at record heights. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As harvest gets cranked up around the nation, farmers and ranchers are encouraged to put safety first. Tom Nicoletti has more. This week, September 17th through the 23rd, is National Farm Safety and Health Week, with the theme, No One Can Take Your Place. National Farm Medicine Center Communications Manager Scott Heiberger visits with me again. Now certainly farm safety, uh, ranch safety is still of utmost importance uh, and people need to be aware of what's going on uh, any time of the year, but especially when it comes to the busy times of the year, the planting and the harvesting times. Right, and you know when it gets to those really busy times of year, we in the safety community think of a couple things. We think of roadway safety, so be as visible as possible when you're talking about farmers and when you're a driver, remember that what time of year it is and you know when you come over a hill, etc. in those dusky conditions. Keep 
keep your eyes open and share the road and watch out for each other. We also think during the spring and fall of children, children in the work site, that's a tough time for farm parents. They got a lot of work to get done under a lot of pressure. There's not a daycare, uh, child care facility on, on every corner. What do you do? Quite often the temptation is to take them with you, pack them out there into those work sites with you. And we get it. It's a dilemma. But I can tell you that most injuries to kids on farms actually occur not to kids who are working, but to kids who are under the age of 10 not working. So that means being brought into the work site so that the parents can, quote, keep an eye on them or, or just playing. As a child growing up, you're going to look at the farm as a, a lot of opportunities for play and, and um, kind of a big playground. So it's up to adults, up to parents to try to foresee some of these interactions, you know, foresee where the kid might want to go. And again, coming back to those busy times of year, do everything you can to, to trade off whatever it takes to keep the child, you know, out of the combine, out of the fields, out of the busy work sites. The National Farm Medicine Center's Scott Heiberger will be back again on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many farms in Texas welcome dove hunters at this time of year. Barry Mahler has a dove hunting update from North Central Texas. About this time of the year, there are usually several calls to local dispatchers in rural Texas towns reporting hearing lots of gunshots. Now, while that would be alarming at any other time, the dispatchers have become used to telling the caller, yes, it's September 1st and dove season opened today. You know, dove season's a big deal in Texas. Not quite as big a deal as deer season, but it is the first opportunity for people to get out the guns, get out into the country, and enjoy some nature. Now, there are several zones in Texas that are controlled by Texas Parks and Wildlife, and the hunting season is different in the different zones. Now, we're in the north zone, and it runs kind of north of the line, basically from El Paso to Abilene, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, over to Texarkana. Now, be sure to view the map for actual boundaries before you hunt, but that's basically where we are. There are different zones due to the fact that the dove are a migratory bird that travel across our state from the northern areas of the U.S. and Canada that seek a better place to spend the winter out of the cold and where there's abundant food. So as they migrate south, the zones open up accordingly. Now, since they're migratory, every hunter must have a valid hunting license with a migratory bird stamp to hunt them in Texas. One of the big questions hunters had this year is, how has the extended hot weather affected the population, and has it altered their migration pattern? Well, surveys done by Parks and Wildlife and early hunting results show that there are good populations available this year. Several hunters uh, hunting the first few days tell me that they're getting their limits pretty early in the day. The hunting is best early in the morning and late in the afternoon as the birds seem to rest in the shade of the trees during the midday heat and fly to water and food when it gets cooler. The hunting business is continuing to grow in Texas as we are seeing a lot more organized hunts on rented land than ever before, with lots of people from the larger cities, such as the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, participating. Now, these activities bring lots of revenue to rural Texas, with many small towns having opening day breakfasts and other events to welcome the hunters. So when you consider that organized hunting helps control the population of the birds, it helps them thrive, it provides recreation for the people involved, and brings revenue to the state, it's probably not going to slow down anytime soon. So I expect that rural dispatchers will continue to have calls of, I hear lots of shooting out there this morning. Hey, relax. It's dove season. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. 
The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is committing to restore five species to a portion of their native range over the next five years. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on that and other items in TPWD's Land and Water Plan coming up on Texas Ag Today. And x-rays can be a very important part of a pre-purchase exam on a horse. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. X-rays can be a very important part of a pre-purchase exam on a horse. Dr. Bob Judd says X-rays can provide a lot of information that can be important for the future use of the horse. X-rays, correctly called radiographs, can be a part of the pre-purchase exam. Whether to include radiographs or not depends on the cost of the horse and how well you want the veterinarian to check out the horse. Radiographs provide a lot of information that could be important for the future use of the horse. However, as vets commonly say, you are riding the horse, not the radiographs. In other words, the horse may be sound and normal, even though there may be an abnormality on the radiographs. At the same time, if radiographs reveal the horse has been foundered, for example, this is important information, as this horse is more likely than others to founder again and founder is usually a chronic problem. Also, lots of off-the-track thoroughbreds have a condition called kissing spines in which the dorsal spines of the vertebrae impinge on each other. Radiographs can find these impingements, but if an abnormality is found, it does not indicate it is a problem or will be a problem. Radiographs are a significant expense, and lots of folks do not want to do them if the purchase price of the horse is low. However, even if the horse is free, you still have to take care of the horse, and if the horse has a major issue, it could cost a lot more money than the radiographs. So radiographs should be considered in all pre-purchase evaluations. The next concern is what areas to radiograph. We usually try to radiograph typical problem areas like the feet and hocks, but it is always possible to miss something in an area that was not radiographed. Always get a pre-purchase before buying a horse. And whether you get radiographs or not is a difficult decision. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is committed to restoring five species to a portion of their native range over the next five years. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking to the next 10 years and inviting Texans to weigh in on its draft Land and Water Resources Conservation and Recreation Plan. 
The plan includes 14 objectives and strategies to meet those objectives over the next decade. Tim Birdsong, TPWD's Deputy Director of Inland Fisheries, recently discussed the planned actions for fish and wildlife management with the Parks and Wildlife Commission. For that FY24 through 28 timeframe under the fish and wildlife management thematic area, we'll have conducted 60,000 fish and wildlife surveys. This relates to our historic routine monitoring of coastal resources. It relates to our surveys of waterfowl and other migratory birds, our mill deer, bighorn sheep surveys, our fisheries surveys that are conducted, reservoirs and streams and so on. So 60,000 surveys that would be conducted over that five-year time frame, 70 applied research projects that provide the science to help refine and inform our resource management decisions, 50 science communication events and 4,000 public seminars and workshops that center on fish and wildlife conservation and management efforts, 7,500 regulatory consultations with other state and federal agencies engaging in processes like the Clean Water Act permitting process administered by the Corps or other state and federal agencies making sure that there's consideration of fish and wildlife resources in regulatory decisions. We're also committing to conservation status assessments for a number of our imperiled and rare species, and we're committing to restore five species to a portion of their native range over the next, again, over the next five years. You can view the draft land and water plan on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another down day for the cattle market on Tuesday. We'll check out all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Political ad paid for by Right to Farm Texas PAC. Learn more about Proposition 1 at righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number two, farmtexas.com. Political ad authorized by Right to Farm Texas PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another pullback in the cattle market on Tuesday as both live and feeder cattle futures close lower. October live cattle dropped 65 cents to close at 185.67. The December down 52 at 190.47, with February live cattle down 82 cents at 194.92. Same thing on the feeder cattle. September feeders dropped 75 cents, 253.50. October down $1.60, 259.35, with November feeder cattle down 40 cents, 265.02. 
Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales expected until later in the week. Box beef prices mixed Tuesday with choice down $1.50, 303.82. Select up 15 cents at 283.56. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler from Beville Livestock sells them every Friday. Rodney, tell these good folks how you sold them. Oh, we had good sale. We had several good sets of calves throughout the wholesale. Good calves. I thought the market was good. Light calves might have been a little softer in places, but quality is quality sales, sir. Yes, it does. Well, tell us how quality sold. All right, we had 337 head of cattle and seven goats. Your 200, 300 pound steers were $2 to 358. Heifers were 180 to 250. 300, 400 pound steers were 215 to 250. Heifers 201 to 232. 400, 500 pound steers were 215 to 250. Heifers 202 to 236. Your 500, 600 pound steers were 218 to 245. Heifers 203 to 229. 600, 700 pound steers were 208 to 230. Heifers were $2 to 229. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were 202 to 220. And your heifers were 188 to 215. Packer cows sure are steady. They brought anywhere from sixty-eight to a dollar ten. Slaughter bulls brought from sixty-nine to a dollar thirteen. Packer uh, stocker cows brought anywhere from seventy-eight to a dollar thirty. With some, we didn't have any bred cows, and our pairs brought anywhere from eight thirty-five to thirteen hundred. Sounds like you had a good sale. How many noses did you count? We had three hundred thirty-seven head of cattle. What are you anticipating for this Friday, Rodney Butler? I know a few headed this week. Uh, I don't know many many coming this week. I know quite a few the following week, but I don't know of too many cattle ahead of time this week so far. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727 or y'all can call me on my mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Texas neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That fellow right there was Rodney Butler. They sell them in Beeville on Friday. You listen to us right here each Monday through Friday on Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs were sharply higher on Tuesday. October hogs up a dollar sixty, eighty-four eighty-five. December hogs up a dollar eighty-two at seventy-six twenty-five. Class three milk closed lower. September milk down two cents, eighteen thirty-five a hundredweight, with October milk down twenty-three at seventeen fifty-seven a hundred. The cotton market managed a higher close today. A lower stock market, however, limited any gains. Traders sitting back waiting on any news on interest rates from the Federal Reserve. They're expected to announce that 2 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. October cotton was up 52 points. It closed at 86.06. December cotton up 52 at 87.52. March cotton up 37 at 88.26 cents. Corn market closed higher. USDA's latest crop progress numbers came out Monday afternoon, showing 9% of the nationwide corn crop now harvested. 54% of that crop is mature. That is ahead of schedule. We close with December corn up four and three quarters, 476 and a quarter. March corn up four and three quarters, 490 and a half. With May corn up four and a half, 499 a bushel. The wheat market continues to feel the pressure from Russia as they undercut everyone else on the world wheat market, and that definitely pulls our prices down. December Kansas City wheat down four cents, seven thirty-one a bushel. December Chicago wheat down seven and a quarter at five eighty-four a bushel. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up ten cents at two eighty-three. October West Texas crude oil up eighteen ninety-one sixty-six a barrel. 
The financial markets lower Tuesday. The Dow down 95 points at 34,530. The Nasdaq down 30, 13,679, with the S&P down 8 at 4,444. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.